0: This is Modern Geek, podcast number 87, recorded November 22nd, 2013. I'm Chuck.
1: And I'm Juan. And
0: welcome back to Modern Geek. This is a fun episode to record because, well, first of all, we got some news. And then I want to look forward at some kind of I wouldn't say new, but emerging technologies that have made some big steps, either good or bad, in the last month or two.
1: Mm-hmm. That should be fun.
0: Right off the bat, I, I do want to talk about Google Play Newsstand. Have you heard about this?
1: Uh, no, you're going to have to fill me in here. No, I'm- totally.
0: This, is, So, you know, Google Reader is gone, right? You always wondered. Well, I'm
1: quite aware. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> well, actually, I had kind of forgotten because I'm so used to using our wonderful replacement that I just don't care anymore. You oh, yeah, know,
1: tiny, tiny RSS kind of really fills it. that gap quite well, doesn't it?
0: Exceedingly well. And hey, our data.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: But uh, but no, um, essentially what they've done is they've rolled currents, which was kind of a new sort of thing. And yeah, I always
1: heard of currents, but I never really understood what it was. Me either. I kind
0: of played with it and was like, I don't quite get how this fits into my world, you know, and I, I moved on. And, yeah. uh, and their old, uh, magazine reader all into this one kind of smash up you know, app. And it's really yeah. interesting. Okay. I mean, it's, it's not quite like anything else to put it in perspective. So, okay. If I had to like compare it to something, I would probably compare it to Flipboard, but that's not fair. It's
1: well, that was that was what I was going to do based on the screenshots on the uh, the Android blog.
0: Yeah, it's the most like Flipboard, but it's not because hmm. number one, it it and this is kind of cool. First of all, first of all, it has this. Uh, it uses the Google Card structure heavily, and and I, I like that. I have to admit.
1: Oh, the card structure like in Google Now, that kind of thing.
0: And Google Plus and like every other damn thing Google's doing now. Right, okay, okay, right. Like when you scroll down the screen looking at articles, they're a card essentially. And that card is, it's square, it's simple, it shows a large image with a title and some some tags. Uh, Not that different than the uh, uh, new GWC site. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was inspired, right? But then, you know... When you click on one, you get a full article and you can do a lot more with it, like share it, you can bookmark it, and that sort of thing. But another kind of cool uh, functionality here is that it blends subscription and free content seamlessly. So, like if you subscribe to a magazine, that magazine's content is available in here. If you do not, hmm, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a cross between Flipboard and an RSS reader with. You know, with a a, a a magazine reader all smashed into this one device, this one application.
1: Right. Now, this this also integrates into the Google Play Store, right? Yes, it with, does. With the uh, the kind of newsstand for browsing yep. what, what's available. Now, I know that there's been a magazine section in there before. I'm I trying have to subscribed remember. to remember Because there's also like the Play Magazines app on Android, right? We, that became this, I believe. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah, See, my, my, my 4.3 uh, Nexus 7 is still desperately trying to update its Google Apps with like the Kit Kat release. <laughs> they don't seem to be working that well.
0: <laughs> it was pretty smooth on mine. I, yeah, so what's interesting to me about this is, it, first of all, the reason I compared it to uh, Flipboard more than an RSS reader is that if you are of the category of reader that wants to read everything and account for everything coming into you, and, right. you know, there are kind of two major categories of reader, right? There's the kind of person that wants to to account for everything, whether you read it or not. Either you decide not to read it or you read it, but everything goes through you. Or right. the kind that just wants a flow of content, which you then kind of partake from as you please, right? Right. Like it's inbox ones.
1: versus stream.
0: There you go. Well said. Yeah. Well said. This is definitely a stream reading kind of methodology. It would be very difficult mm. from what I can tell so far to account for every single thing that comes in. Uh, however, it is definitely uh, a more interesting and easy to deal with format than Flipboard. Flipboard is really cool and, and very conceptual, right? Yeah. Uh, but the the flipping technique that makes it so easy also is very limiting. And this one, not so much. You can really jump around. What I haven't figured out yet, um, and, and this is kind of a complaint about modern applications in general, uh, a lot of modern applications are supposed to be so intuitive that there are no instructions. Huh? And that's good, right? Which which
1: only works well if it's done correctly.
0: Yes. And, and I think like, like for example, you don't need a manual with your iPhone and a child can figure out what it does. Right. But yeah, like here, I was like, it starts out with a lot of stuff in your stream to kind of help you get started. And actually a lot of the stuff it dumped in was kind of cool and I had a couple of magazine subscriptions that I I subscribed to a while back to see how magazines worked, right? Right. And uh, it had automatically populated them in, which was cool. Uh, but I just got this vibe from it that it, it I expect Google to be smart, right? In in annoying ways and in good ways. Like Google, great example. You know, I have a trip coming up, uh, and I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be out of town briefly, and I googled the address of my hotel, and when it popped up. My reservation information popped up on the on the you know in a in a card,
1: right? I had, had
0: I had received it via Gmail,
1: <laughs> right? So you know, so it went in and read that and went, oh, okay, this is relevant, and popped a card.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A little scary, also a little cool, right?
1: Well, it's a little more usable than like say the uh, the Apple whatever it's called, where it's like, you br- bring up your movie tickets and that kind of thing. It's, you never use it because you have to go do it. Yeah, so exactly. It's I guess Google's there. idea is just do it. And then people that will want to, could benefit from it, will be able to use it.
0: Yeah. And I kind of expected that from this. Like I thought, you yeah. know, this Google knows a lot about me. Uh, they have my old reader account. They know, uh, I mean, they know all kinds of stuff about me. Shouldn't they be tailoring this stream? <laughs> you know, and, and like I'm getting, you know, celebrity gossip news and I'm like, man, I don't really want that. <laughs> and I tried to swipe it to get rid of it. Right. Yeah. And and that, that doesn't work, you know, and I finally realized that I could, after a little bit of playing around that I could go into the explore section or the, my magazines or my, my news, and I could find like the entertainment catch all. And then I could remove that and put the individual <laughs> ones in, but I'm like, man, it took me 15 minutes to figure that out. And I'm not complaining. I mean, still, this is I I actually consume media both ways. I tend to like sometimes I want to read all of it and sometimes I just want to see crap, you know?
1: Well, yeah, like in, in my RSS reader, I have feeds that I'll just, you know, right click every so often go mark all as read and some that I, you know, that are like specific blogs that I'm watching because I want to, you know, say, look for. Um, I'm following a blog that's telling me when software updates come out or security updates, that kind of thing. You want
0: to see them all. Yeah.
1: I want to see them all for a lot, for a lot of them, a lot of the feeds that I have that I keep marking all as red. I kind of go, you know, maybe there, I wish there was kind of a little bit better way of doing it. That wasn't so abstract as flipboard. So maybe, maybe this, I is think kind you're going to like middle.
0: it. I honestly think you're going to like it. It, um, it, it, it struck me as, I think this will probably become my go-to, uh, at least on Android devices. My go-to for stream viewing.
1: Right. So, ironically, my uh, Nexus Seven is desperately trying to replace Newsstand with this. <laughs> it will, <laughs> or m- magazines with uh, Newsstands. So.
0: Actually, my uh, over there update to KitKat went really well. I I told it to do it. I didn't even bother to plug it in because well, I, I don't really care. I if think I break that's it my and,
1: problem right now is that i'm i haven't gotten that update so it's trying to upgrade these ah, apps without the os i see so you know i've got Oops. a list of five different google apps that are sitting on my downloading screen <laughs> that have been there since uh like <laughs> 72 hours ago Uh oh so it's it'll get there but you know it's just oh, right, let, it, let it go I'll, I'll put it down and check back in another day and now good good stuff good stuff that, that's interesting i'm I'm gonna play around with that because this this seems like it could fill a hole that uh that just a flat-out rss reader can't do
0: absolutely yeah no, no i'm a fan i'm a fan i'm gonna keep playing with it uh and of course you can read free content with it and it's a free app so there's no reason not to go play with it if you have if you have an android device nice sad news
1: yeah sad news This news really sucks the llama's ass. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm there for you. Winamp (laughs) is dead. (laughs) Finally dead.
1: How did that happen?
0: (laughs) You know, I remember when I used Winamp, and it was a long damn time ago.
1: Yeah, I seem to recall it installing very well under Windows 98.
0: I I think that the truth is that uh, pure play functionality has been built into the OS and OS apps that handled the job fine
1: for so long. Um, well, for a long time, it was the only way to really, or not the only way, but the easiest way to get MP3s to play on windows. Cause you know, yeah. windows media player didn't come default with an MP3 codec kind of like it doesn't with a DVD codec or anything. Well,
0: that was when they were still fighting about it, you know, before everybody just kind of gave in and said, wow, if we stop screwing with everybody, we'll make more money. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah but
1: well, it's, 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 weird because it's that's that was such a core part of how i used to use i know the machine uh like a and then then i came across itunes and i think i installed it so that i could sync my first i think it was an ipod nano second gen or something like that and then my music was in that infrastructure and i never went back i had a little different path you know i i never gave
0: in uh, I'm kind of proud of this. I never gave in to the uh, iTunes, Apple walled garden. Never. Yeah. Like like I bought Audra way back in the day because Audra has always been extremely like music savvy, much more than me. Like I listen to some things, but mostly I listen to what she listened to because she has real good taste and she is constantly, you know, listening and finding new stuff. Mm-hmm. Even when I met her, she had, she was one of those people that had like 50 CDs in her car at any given time, you know? Right and and so early on, I saved up for a long damn time, by the way, and bought her like I think it was a second gen. It 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 had the the rotating wheel, and it was firewire based. Oh,
1: like the the, the retro gen named iPod Classic.
0: I th- well, yeah, with with the little hard
1: drive in it. And, uh, oh yeah,
0: I still have it here somewhere, but um, it, I think it was a ten gig back then, which mm-hmm. was a lot. Maybe it was a one. I can't remember. It was, it was really cool at the time, and of course I was. I had to rip her music on my own, right? Yep. And uh, it that was the one, too. Remember when you opened it, it had the Please Don't Steal Music thing on the inside of it? I thought that was
1: cool. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, in, anyway, <laughs> she she used the crap out of that. And right from the start, I mean, we didn't have any Apple products other than that in the house. So I actually, I can't even remember the name of the app, but I grabbed an app that essentially would open it as a FireWire drive and bypass all the security. And I just, it would put things on and take, and take things off of it. And I just loaded right. it for her via that app. I never, and, and then the first time I used iTunes was with a Mac and then it was just a drag and drop. Hmm. So I never had the sorting like you did. Yours is all
1: organized. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just went, I went iTunes. I went, never went back, but I, I, I I seem to think that there's people that still use Winamp. I mean i I've been using the Mac for so long for all my desktop stuff that I've I'm completely out of touch with how people organize music in Windows. Like, is it iTunes as well? Like for the vast majority, I'm not even sure anymore. Man, I I <laughs> I stumped you. <ya. laughs>
0: Yeah, I I don't. I, I wonder if anybody else does. I was kind of I was kind of poking around, and and uh, Ars Technica has a, a an article on kind of how when iTunes became uh, the 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 leader, the the standard, right in music management. How mm-hmm. how Winamp could have had that role had they played their cards just a little bit differently. This was in 2012 when they were talking about it. And it's a—they're kind of saying that as late as 2004, uh, they might have won the the battle, but but lost in a couple of different ways. It looks like both in terms of uh, Apple with the the store, as well as the integration, and then the iPhone sort of killed them. That's right. so I weird. I I never thought it, of the iPhone. It almost iPhone feels had, like
1: it's a delayed kill of like the <laughs> Napster era.
0: You think you're right? You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it's I, like it's like all all the bullets went in in an into Napster, and a couple of them hit Winamp, and it just took a real long time for him to bleed out. God, you're
0: not kidding.
1: Um, I I know that. Uh, I mean, another uh, frustration I remember, and I mean, this is reaching back way long ago when Winamp upgraded from I think it was the version two series to the version five jump where they like redid the UI where for so long, it was that kind of very static UI that you could do all those weird themes on and everything like that. I remember that where it was basically just pixel mapped themes, right? Right. right. (laughs) Totally. And then they switched to this new interface and they're like, Oh yeah, but you don't get it. It's going to have all these new different ways of creating interesting players and you know they don't they don't have to be a, a rectangle anymore you can have circles and different controls and all that stuff and the the i think the people that were using it went well i just want the little rectangle in the corner and the people creating the themes went nope too hard you know you know what you
0: know what that reminds me of like i i have a, I have a, a bass amp that has more knobs on it than you could possibly imagine yeah. And and the joke is sort of we is sort of that there are like one or two setting positions of all those knobs, you know, that will give you a good sound. And mm-hmm. then everything else on it is bad. And <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, you have two if you have, you know, one knob, then you have maybe that goes to 10, you have one good setting, maybe two and eight bad ones, right? And on mine that has like 35 knobs, you have like two good settings and 35 million
1: bad ones. Right. That's what they did. It's like a mix between that and the Nexus Q problem (laughs) or the, or the, uh, the boxy box. It's like, yes, that's some very interesting design. Unfortunately, the rest of the stuff that goes under the TV is rectangular. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm with you. I'm
1: with you. I don't know. I mean, this makes for a great listener question. I mean, people who are using windows primarily, what do you do for music? Honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm in the iTunes it, uh, environment, so I don't really. Know. You have a
0: choice, right?
1: I don't really have a choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do, but yeah, I haven't played. You're music not on on Windows, so I'm not really.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not really sure how I do that. Actually, the it's, mute, kinda what,
1: it's funny because it's kind of like, oh, that's terrible, and then I realize I haven't used Winamp in you know five Eric, years.
0: Oh damn it! It's my fault.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm part of the problem.
0: <laughs> so I understand you had some problems with uh Google app updates.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of just touched on it a few minutes ago. What what's happened is that since since the uh since KitKat got released, I mean one of the one of the big things that Google has been doing is they've been I don't know appifying. A lot of their infrastructure in Android, right? Um, like for example, the the window manager, the desktop, or whatever it is, is now an app in in KitKat. And what that means is that theoretically, even if you come across a Samsung phone that is running KitKat, but they've installed their their own. Uh, desktop or whatever, you can still go download the Google one and install it. And, you know, they've done that. They did that a few months ago with the keyboard and that kind of stuff. So that way it kind of mitigates the problem of having these uh, manufacturer overlays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good and idea. I f-
1: think that's the problem that I'm running into. Cause I'm my, I haven't gotten the push for the, o, for the OTA upgrade uh, oh. for my Nexus 7. And it's trying to update some of these apps to the newer versions. And every every time it tries to automatically upgrade one of these apps, it just falls over on itself. It just sits there up in the top left corner. It's got that little arrow. I'm updating. Really, I am. And, you know, (laughs) it sits there for days. And... I'm I'm not sure if anyone else has had this problem. This is I I actually reset this Nexus 7 a while ago, so I don't have anything weird on here, which makes me think, huh, okay, well. Have you tried Maybe it's a little bit bumpy.
0: Have you tried going I
1: have tried. I've gone into settings, you know, go down to about and uh right, right. and go system updates, check for update. It's like your system is up to date. Last checked for update at 1:32 p.m. It's like huh. yeah. Well, <laughs> I know it's available. Come on. Let me update. Give me, so, give me, give me, give me. give me. I I know this is like short term nitpicky problems, but it's still like, come on, give me the update. I don't want to deal with this up- crap anymore. Hey,
0: just think if you owned uh, a branded device, you might be waiting forever.
1: Exactly. Yes. So. This is why I'm not too, di- <laughs> not too worried about it. You're like, yeah, it's like, a yeah. small
0: wine. It's not a big wine.
1: Okay. Days, not forever. You know,
0: a bottle, not a Magnum. Okay.
1: Yeah. I did note that that some of the older Nexus devices, like the original um like the original Nexus like one the or Nexus phones or whatever. Not the four, but some of the really old ones, like going back about right, four right. years, they're not getting the Kit Kat update.
0: Well, that's not surprising.
1: But that makes sense. I mean, you know, about two or three years out and the latest software updates are really only going to hurt the device at that point because they can't keep up because they don't have enough processor or, RAM yeah, or whatever. Mean, so your
0: Apple two didn't get OS 10 either,
1: you know? Yeah. I think the original one is intelligible for upgrade because it doesn't have enough internal storage. I think it has like a two gig memory limit. On it, so. womp, womp. Like, no, not going to happen.
0: <laughs> I wanted to kind of look forward to, in this episode at a couple of technologies that have been around for a while. And you know how there's kind of like a a process for every new technology. Like it first comes out and everybody laughs at it about how stupid and absurd it is, right? Yep. And how it has no real use and nobody's going to actually do that. And that then... the phone
1: doesn't even have any buttons. Yeah, Who's what gonna the
0: use hell, that? you know? And then yeah. it's sort of you know, a few very, very expensive examples come out that make some sense, right? And they make it into the hands of some consumers, and you get some consumer desire going, and more people buy them, and they get cheaper, and eventually they go widespread, and we find out for real whether they really do make a difference or not, and in some cases, they don't.
1: Yeah, like, for example, quick for example is the the original um, MacBook Air was like three grand. It wasn't really built very well, but it was like a test. Was, yeah. You know, if we build ultra thin laptops, is this without CD drives? Is this something people are going to go for? And Answer? Then they went, Hell yes. Uh, apparently, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then they got better and now it's just accepted as common,
1: right? Yeah. It's just the standard is that laptops are meant to be super ultra light and the absolute thinnest that they can be.
0: Yeah. So I, I have a couple of examples of that. and The first one I think is one that's been getting a lot of play lately, which are smart
1: watches. See, and I'm still in the ah, get off my lawn. I'll never use that mode.
0: And you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that particular viewpoint. Um, right. You know, the first kind of uh, the first kind of run of those that we got was the Pebble, right? And those like it that were essentially second displays. They're a Bluetooth device that you might think of more like a headset. Or you know, even though it doesn't do that that particular job, right? It's it's a Bluetooth yeah. device that connects and provides a second display that can display notifications or information, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's something to be said for that. Like uh, I know some people have used it, uh, used the Pebble uh, with uh, Run uh, with Runkeeper, for example, that can show um, that can show some data that you'd be interested in seeing. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff like that. What we've seen, though, is a second generation of those, like the Galaxy Gear, for example, uh, that have some additional functionality beyond just being a display, like, for example, a camera and an interface that you can actually do some things to control what the phone is doing, right? Right. And very, very recently... Uh, there's a Kickstarter that's getting a lot of attention because it it either has been funded or it will be funded momentarily, I think, um, which is The Pine. And it is really a standalone. It's a freaking smartphone that you put on your wrist. Mm. Now, we can argue about all of these because I think there's a lot to be said about the pros and cons of each. You know, A second display on your wrist can be useful, but nobody has quite found the killer application for that yet um, right. the galaxy gear the same way it has a camera for example i have to admit there are times when having a non-obtrusive camera would be useful everybody knows cameras phones have cameras now uh so so there's something to be said there uh and certainly the smartphone running what is essentially a slightly cut down version a customized version of android full android
1: this thing this thing makes me think of the uh calculator watches from the 80s it does doesn't it it really does because it's like the and then take it off your wrist you and use it as a little tiny little uh text messaging machine and it's like ooh, okay
0: <laughs> yeah i'm i'm with you i i'm not sold yet but i i do know this i know that uh when you look at glass for example uh, as well uh, people made mm. fun of it when it came out the truth is
1: <laughs> didn't really come out <laughs>
0: Well, however you want to look at it. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty easy to get your hands on them now. Um, I, and I think it's smart they're doing what they're doing because nobody knows exactly how this is going to work yet. Yeah. And and these people that have put out products like the Galaxy Gear, for example, while people are arguing over whether it's the mitigated failure financially that everybody claimed it was, there's no doubt that it is definitely not on everybody's list this Christmas.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, but, but I think one thing is... For sure. And that's that the idea of having our data be more accessible to us is a good one. And it's one that I think wearable computing is has a future, whether it's any of these devices, which I suspect it's not. Um, I think the more you can take this off the phone and integrate it into our lives, the better it's going to be. And the more of us are going to adopt it. And of course, people are going to bitch about it too. But just like the iPad, I still remember when the iPad came out, and everybody said, "Oh, it's a big iPhone," and I'm like, "Yeah, but that makes a big difference." And everybody laughed, and then yeah. they all lined up and bought one. Well, and,
1: and there is something to be said for having the kind of personal area network where you've got, you have your phone, and you have your, you know, you have a smart watch, and then you know, like a Fitbit or something like that, and and being able to, I would say, between. In, in getting very specific between smartwatches or a google glass like display i would probably bet more on smartwatches taking off
0: yeah i think you're, and the,
1: because i and I, I, I know I think you're right. it's it's cuz you know a watch can be can be easily viewed it's very convenient to look at get some quick information and especially if they've got a camera built in to take a quick picture that kind of thing Whenever I see somebody wearing a Google Glass, I go, and you know, like say they're on a podcast or they're talking to someone in a restaurant or something like that. I go, so you just can't be bothered to have the common courtesy to pay attention to what you're doing right now.
0: I I think though that that's that's like, do you remember about, I don't know, three, four years ago when people used to rant about how unreasonable it was to put your, your smartphone on a table if you were eating out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Notice
0: how nobody gives a damn anymore.
1: <laughs> they just yeah, don't. Well, I mean, there there are still some that really get annoyed about it, but.
0: I think, and, and I think that's because we've gotten over this whole, like, it's just bad. And we've realized that it can be used effectively or ineffectively, you know, rudely or smartly. And how you use it is more important than having it or not. And I think it's the yeah, same thing. I mean, you know? I have
1: no problem with somebody putting a smartphone on the table, but if they're like, say they have it open and they're tweeting the whole time while they're trying to have yeah, a conversation, absolutely. that's, that is uncourteous. And the problem with something like glass is that it's you, well, you don't really know what they're doing. I think you are, do. are they, are you looking up or are you taking a video?
0: I think they do because essentially, uh, you know, I think it kind of comes down to like, what's the, what's the, uh, uh, the real human test. I feel stupid. This is why I need more caffeine.
1: Um, oh, the... Um, the Turing test, right? Turing test, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's like I think I think you have to apply the same kind of idea to this. Like if you can't tell whether it's human, then it doesn't matter, right? So it, it's sort of like if, you, if you're if you convinced that the person is engaged with you and they're really not, well, good for them. They, I, I don't think that's possible, to be honest. I think that whether you can yeah, see I mean, the interface really, or not, I think if it, they're you're going to know if people are distracted or not and that's that's rude
1: you know and it really depends on the person and it depends on the preference too because i mean i've talked to people on the phone and they go wait are you what are you doing and it's like well you know i'm coding or something like that it's like well i thought you were talking to me on the phone it's like yeah well well i can do both <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, I think with glass, assuming that because somebody has that on that they're they're ignoring you, I, I don't think that's reasonable. I think it's more like if people aren't engaging with you, they're jerks, whether it's because they have a cell phone or glass or a smartwatch or yeah. uh, I, I
1: think I think my um, they're um,
0: drawing in their sketchbook. You know, who cares?
1: I think it just it it feels a little different because it's like if they're looking at their smartwatch or looking at their smartphone or you know, our tablet or whatever, or writing in a notebook or something like that, you can tell a lot more easily than if it's like right up in their line of sight. And I mean, I've got no chance either because whenever I'm talking, I'm constantly fidgeting with my glasses. Yep. So it would always seem like I'm, if I were wearing one of these, it would (laughs) always seem like I'm taking a video or something.
0: Honestly, people would learn to live with it the same way they've learned with everything. In other words, the technology goes away and the, and the important part, like whether people are engaging with you or not sticks around. You know, another technology that, uh, that we've seen a lot of people have tried to replace the wallet electronically. Right. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we've had, you know, NFC and and NFC payment. We've had NFC payment cards. Uh, we've seen Google wallet. Right. Um, and, and the most recent kind of blip in this market, and I think it's a total failure waiting to happen is the coin. Have you, have you seen this? If you haven't, Coin. No. Yeah, take a look at it. So essentially, is
1: only, it's onlycoin.com.
0: That's correct. And uh, you're going to love this. It's a commercial card skimmer, a consumer card skimmer. Essentially, what it does is Uh-oh. it's a device that you scan your cards into and it can mimic any of the cards, right? Right. And the idea being that you can carry it and it has some additional, I'm making finger quotes here, security functions like, for example, it needs to be within uh, Bluetooth smart range of your phone to work or, or any number of other things that they've dreamed up to put in there. Uh, they, they went out and they kind of put their launch out on Kickstarter. And it's really funny, you'll notice today that they, um, they've issued a number of changes to their design based on some really simple security problems that other people have uncovered for them. Uh, They're like, wow, you know, we expected some feedback, but we didn't expect anywhere near this much feedback. Yeah, like people are like, hey, what stops like, I don't know, a waitress from, you know, a waiter or waitress from having one of these in their pocket and every card they give them just running it through it and adding it to the cards, you know? Uh, yeah, (laughs) it's a card skimmer, you know? And, and so they come up and other people are like, well, what stops the waiter or waitress from, uh, or, you know, anybody you give it to from changing your payment method on it when they hand it to you, hand it to them. Or what happens if your phone dies and none of your cards work and just all these really simple things. And they're like, well, and they issued this really great, you know, well thought out press release. That's kind of like, wow, you know, we really, you know, we, we hadn't thought about this. We're going to incorporate all this. It's really great. We're so glad that for this feedback and I can't help but think, man, do you really trust somebody with banking level security who didn't think of this?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean See, this rubs me the wrong way the same way that a Bitcoin exchange rubs me the wrong way. Is yeah, the that core functionality has a problem. You know? But let's take all of my financial information and give it to a third party and let them deal with it. Nope. No, I mean, <laughs> what was that Chinese Bitcoin uh, exchange that was, took in like, you know, a couple million dollars and then went, oh, yeah, by the way, we're fake buy. <laughs> we're it's fake like, buy. You know, it's if like, you're Eve, going, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, yes, exactly. I don't I don't have anything against using electronic currency. I just have a very specific set of requirements for how that electronic currency gets used. and. this just, this is kind of, yeah, it's scary as hell. So I I think the fact
0: that it's, I'm happy that this is out there and that it's getting people interested in the idea because I'm not sure. And and again, this is why I wanted to bring these up and have some fun talking about them today, because I don't think that this is a solution, but it does indicate that there's a hell of a lot of desire to simplify the concept of carrying a wallet with 25
1: cards in it. Honestly, if I didn't have to carry a wallet around, I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Who the hell would? I mean, it's just one I mean, that is the pocket I would have my phone in instead I have to put my phone in my uh in my shirt pocket cuz one has my wallet, the other one has my keys and that's pretty much it, right? You know. Yeah. I,
0: I it is it is a problem that needs to be solved and I'm glad people are working on it and I'm glad that they've tried and uh, I think ultimately failed, but but have well, tried to address it.
1: Right. And uh, you'd, you'd think that, I mean, it's got the development of this kind of stuff has to occur in the third party because there is no way that you get banks talking to each other and agreeing on a standard. Now it's kind of I funny mean,
0: that you say that because I
1: mean, I know there's MasterCard, which is a standard. There's Amex which is a standard. And well, there's, actually, you know, I, Siris, yeah.
0: I was going to say, you know, uh, Google wallet uh, has announced that they are going to produce physical cards you know and I, I, I I'm not an expert but I suspect that this has come from you know the fact that Google wallet was really kind of originally intended to take advantage of NFC right We're all going to pay with our phones and I think I think this is Google saying you know there's room here for something that that fills this role but it's not tied one hundred percent to to a device. You know, it's it's like we may not all want to pay with our phone. We might want to pay with a card like we're used to. And in fact, there's also room for a PayPal style service that's not PayPal because PayPal, while they had it locked by providing exactly what people wanted and exactly the way people wanted it, they've as often happens with these situations, overstepped their boundaries and piss people off to where i think paypal is becoming a a, a necessary evil if at all for people now i don't well, think the it's problem the, with the way the everybody wants the, to go anymore you know
1: right well the i mean this google wallet card is is effectively a branded mastercard that yes. is tied to your google wallet and the problem i have with this is that you're what you're effectively doing is that you're taking your purchases into a third party that has basically no recourse if you have a problem with it you know like have you ever tried to get a hold of paypal or (laughs) or google wallet and get customer support you don't get the level of support that you do like with say for example a bank where it's like we have 24 7 support if you have a problem with your card we want to know about it now over the phone and we can give you instant feedback and and these the 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 online companies are like well Open, a tick, uh, open an email. Let, let us know. We'll get around to it.
0: Well, and I don't know exactly how this is going to work, and I'll, I I'll admit that I I have no I don't need it today, so I'm not all over it figuring it out. You know, but I I suspect that that it's not just the payment end of this that makes it valuable. Like Google Wallet, I think could very well p- position themselves to take over where PayPal is going to leave off. You know, people want a relatively easy way to pay online. Um, and, and a card isn't the easiest way to pay online. No. And if, if in fact, let's say just hypothetically that today uh, Google Wallet could perform all the tasks that you do with PayPal, this would be really sweet. Well,
1: they can, but you have to get vendor support.
0: Right. And, and I'm not saying that they are doing this or even will be able to. But I'm saying, let's say they they had today, because certainly technologically they can. Uh, if they were to, and, and all you know all it would take is one big shift, and it could go, and, and yeah. it, it's not necessarily headed for Google Wallet, but it's headed somewhere like that. And yeah. the idea of, of kind of a, an interim system, something that you could use for purchases online, maybe some of your kind of day-to-day purchases, maybe some of your cash purchases, like quite honestly, most people, I think, I uh, have a number of places that they dribble cash, yeah. like Starbucks, right? And Starbucks, of course, was one of the first kind of NFC places to make use of it, right? Because everybody dribbles small money there, right? Right. And and this could be a good solution for that kind of thing. Will it replace your bank card and your uh, MasterCard Visa Amex? Hell no. You know, it's right. not going to. I don't know that it's meant to, you know?
1: Yeah, I guess the problem is adoption. I mean, the, the other thing is, too, is that big vendors have been trying to do this. Big credit cards have been trying to do this for, for years as well with, without it really catching on. Like um, one, one of the banks that I use, or the one that I have my MasterCard with, on certain sites, when I go and put the number in, uh-huh. it says, okay, we've got an electronic security thing. What is your credit card's password? Interesting. And it's like this online security thing where it's like I established an extra password which i never remember because i never come across the <laughs> damn API.
0: Totally. <laughs> because
1: normally what they just do is okay, here's a credit card number, run it through a standard retail package, right? That right. Just processes it like a normal vendor. And you know, when when you co- when it comes down to it is that if this is just another card that gets that gets swiped as a Mastercard number. All that's really doing is that that's bringing it back into the, the old-style way of doing things. I don't really see the benefit. The only, the only advantage of this is if you get – I mean, it's the same as with Bitcoin – is if you get enough um, people into the Google Wallet community. Absolutely. Where money is changing hands between wallets and not necessarily going through the ins and outs of using credit cards or debit cards to top up accounts right? Absolutely. That's when you, that's when this becomes well, applicable. Well, I, because I mean, like, you know, it's like with PayPal is like, you ever try to, you try to take out money. Yes. It's like, okay, wait five days for well, the
0: that's, that's what I'm saying. bank
1: transfer or whatever. And you know, they did have their one use credit card numbers for every, for every so often. But if you have a Google wallet, or I mean, like they've got Bitcoin ETMs. Now, if you have that kind of stuff, that starts to make it a little bit more accessible for the people who are not solely buying things online and and wanting to maybe use this out in the real world.
0: I I still think that there's like a middle ground like where we I I know I use PayPal as sort of like a uh a, a way to collect money online and a way to spend money online, right?
1: Heck at this point I'd just be glad for each site to uh, have a standard uh I mean like for example my Amazon I went to uh there was a digital sale for um for on the amazon.com store for right, a game right. and so you know i went and used the amazon.com instead of amazon.ca and i went in amazon.com and i'm like oh i have a 35 dollars gift card that's redeemed here that doesn't even show up on amazon.ca that i could be using <laughs> ouch and the, and the purchase was nothing because like, why why aren't i being asked for a card oh because apparently I already have money here, and so nice. It's it's so fractured right now, <laughs> yeah. That I'm just kind of jaded on all of it, and it would be nice for one of these to to come forward. And for a while, PayPal was that one where it's like, oh, finally, we don't have to keep putting credit card numbers in in all these sites that we want to use. True. We just look for the PayPal.com URL at the top, make sure it's secure, and we know that we're have a secure transaction with this site, whether or not they deliver products or whatever. Right. But then this, the problem is, is that there's no, there isn't the customer service backing that you get with a bank that keeps it, um, that keeps it, um, liable to the, like to the customer, like, you know, you always hear horror stories of PayPal of PayPal oh, transactions yeah. gone wrong, or transfers that disappear, or stuff that gets reversed, or accounts that get turned off because hey, well, we just don't like who you're making transactions with. Well, and that's it. And, okay, that's where it's, that's, that's where, where they bit it.
0: That's where PayPal bit the dust. In my, in my well, area. and
1: I I really hate to say this, but it almost sounds like for electronic transactions, there really needs to be some kind of. Uh, some kind of a legal precedent set for, for how the customer is treated. You know, in what this sad, new no, environment? you know what
0: the sad thing is? You're describing a credit card. Essentially, <laughs> I mean I mean the funny thing here is that if you think about it, oh, what you yeah. want is someone someone that is, say, a little less independently able to decide what is right and wrong and what you should and shouldn't do than say PayPal, right? Yeah. But, but say a little less Wild West than like Bitcoin, you know, because yeah. we do want to say that like, oh, I don't know if you decide you'll accept Bitcoin to assassinate people. Hey, maybe we should go ahead and not let you do that. But on the other hand, so, if we decide that, you know, I don't know, we disagree with your political views that we're just going to take your cash uh-uh.
1: so in the, the way middle of the future you know? is to use your credit card number. Yeah, everywhere. sad, right? <laughs>
0: okay. One well, one more area. I we've totally like, we've certainly through.
1: burned that argument to the ground. Agreed. Let's go on to the next one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One more that I wanted to bring up. And this is a fun one because I know you and I've had a lot of fun with this and that's 4k TV sets. Now, Ooh. now this is funny because you know, when I, I still remember, and I did some reviewing of, uh, of TVs for wired many years back. Right. Right. And I, I remember that there was a big deal over seven twenty and, and ten eighty back then because everything wasn't ten eighty back then and, and most high def that people could afford was seven twenty, right? Right. And and we did some research and, and discovered that hey, you know, uh, there's a limit to what the, the detail that your eyes can see, right? Right, yeah. and and beyond a certain distance away from the TV, it really didn't matter whether it was seven twenty or ten eighty. <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of like the jumbotron, right? You know, when you're far enough away from it, it looks like a TV, whether it's even though the pixels are like the size of your fist, right? Yeah. So so you know, and it turned out that it was actually within the size of most people's living room that that the difference didn't matter. Uh, and now, as right. TVs got larger, that that became not the case. And as well, I think we're finding that there are some other differences, like especially the way uh, people use their living rooms now. Like uh, in those days, people tended to sit on a couch or on a chair and watch their TV. Now people are, are reading off their TV. They're using their TV to browse the web. They're using their TV to play games. Those games often involve uh, uh
1: you know, connect style
0: devices and text, but connect style devices that place you closer to the TV in many cases.
1: Right. So you're not, you're not, it's not that six foot gap anymore. It could be as short as a three foot gap.
0: You could be walking by the TV changing, you know, uh, you know, changing a music station and want to read fine text on it. Yeah. The other thing is that, okay, so, so 4k came out. And of course the trick is, is that 4k is getting, uh, a whole hell of a lot closer to what you see in a movie theater with 35 millimeter resolution. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the, the trick is, is, you know, we used to say, my God, how are they ever going to deal with this? I mean, the, the, there's no storage system to, to promote, you know, to, to handle it. There's no, uh, distribution system. Get it. I mean, hell, we're just catching up to HD in terms of, uh, of satellite you can't even,
1: distribution. Most places in the world, you can't even stream ten eighty p.
0: and, a couple of things have kind of kicked that door down, right? One is one that you and I were talking about uh, when you were visiting, actually. We yeah. were talking about how uh, they just keep making, you know, the the new uh, Moore's Law or whatever, right, is not with processor speed or, or memory hard drive size. It's with compression, Right. You know, it seems like now they're always making better and better and better compression to, to remove data that you don't really need to see in order to get the experience. And you'll note that it is now quite reasonable to stream into many houses HD content, good HD content. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, we're starting to see the window for 4K. And, and that window is a lot closer than we think. And, of course, there are two things stopping it. One is delivery of it, and the other is price of the sets. And what, what caught me and made my attention and made me want to talk about this today is price of the sets, right? Hmm. Uh, the article that I, I, I sent to you uh, is a $1,500 55-inch 4K set that's going to be in Sear stores for Christmas.
1: Seiki brand?
0: Yeah, whatever, right?
1: Yeah. Do you remember that 4K
0: <laughs> that we walked by in the Buy More?
1: Yeah, but uh, we are walking walking through the TV aisle and just stop at the end. Just wait a minute. What? The That's heck? really, really clear. Yeah. What? What? What is this? Yeah. We're like eighteen inches away from a display, and it's like it's a sixty-five inch display. To see the and it looks
0: great. <laughs> I mean, it looks yeah. really, really good.
1: And then you look down at the price tag and didn't look so good, no more No, but.
0: Uh, honestly, <laughs> if you could get a 55 inch for 1500 and it wasn't that bad now, I'm still not going to buy that, but I'll tell you this. Um, I remember, that's, go ahead.
1: See that price is at the, the high end of the consumer. I just want it. Yes. Range.
0: Yes. That's what caught me. It's like Whereas I,
1: before it was, well, okay, you gotta be 1% percenter to really get one of these.
0: <laughs> I remember when 1080 was, was this price and it was not long before the bottom dropped out.
1: Well, and that's what happens it's, it, it's, it's all once the technology is developed, all you got to do is get people buying them so that they can mass produce them. And then that's the end of it. Exactly.
0: So we still have the delivery. Uh, we still have the delivery issue. And, uh, and, and that's, that's going to be well, a the problem. The delivery
1: issue is interesting because it's either you have to go all in on cable and have them multiplexing some channels to get you the bandwidth to deliver this content. Or you have to get to the point where there's some kind of minimum standard set for the amount of bandwidth that, that people have on their data plans. And once again, I work for Telecom. My opinions are my <laughs> own. But I think it's really atrophying right now where it's this kind of death throw lunge where the, uh, the cable companies are all trying to go, well, oh, oh, people really, come on use tv use cable use our channels this is where we're this is where our old model is we're still making money and we really want to push this really hard and i know we can give you the bandwidth for the other stuff because we're using it for our own tv at this point because it's all ip tv at this point but please just stay within our walled garden and people are just leaping over that fence and the bandwidth concern the bandwidth constraints are kind of that last grip on it come, come on just please you know if you stay within our fence it's everything's gonna be okay we won't charge you for that bandwidth you know just keep on our system but you know if you can if you can up those bandwidths uh per month to you know a, a couple of terabytes the the data speeds that you get these days you can actually pull something like this off
0: well what's interesting is is that uh well, and, and I, I linked to an article here that is saying what people said about what we kind of said, I'll admit I said about 1080 back in, you know, uh, six or seven years ago, right? Which yeah. is that number one, um, you know, the distance in your living room is such that you're not going to, it's not going to make a difference for you, except that, as I've said, I think it will make a difference for you because you're going to be closer, to, closer and, and further away from the TV than you imagine you will. Uh, and you use it in different ways. Uh, I, I, think too, that, that, the, the delivery system, now there are problems. I mean, uh, there is a, what they call ultra HD, right? It's 4k Blu-ray, uh, right now, right. which works. There aren't very many, con- uh, there aren't, there isn't much content out in that very format. niche
1: market there right now.
0: Right. But as we know, that's just because, you know, people don't have the sets and people don't have the, you know, don't have the players. It's very
1: chicken and egg right now.
0: Absolutely. And and that'll kick over. It always does. Um, I think that the ability, and it's just a, a good example of this. Are retina displays? If you apply the retina, the the you know the the good old standard, can your eyes tell the difference? You know, formula to your iPhone. The answer is absolutely not. Except you can, because it does things. It makes it makes text look clearer. You know what I'm well, saying? Well,
1: see that that's always been my argument for retina. It's not that oh, I need those pixels. You don't. It's that I just don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah, you just want it I to. I don't be want to get clear. to the point where I, I mean, on the iPhone, on yeah. the four and the five, I just went, okay, now, now it's at a resolution where it just basically doesn't bother me anymore, and I really don't care. And this, and that, that was my whole argument for if I were to buy a new iPad today before the iPad Mini came out. It's like, okay, well, I would probably want to wait. I would get the iPad Mini, but I would really want to wait for the iPad Mini with. Uh, with the Retina display, why? Because I just don't want to care about it anymore. Yeah, it's just I well, just want that quality to be there, and I, you know, I, I, I suppose TVs kind of going that way too.
0: Well, there are some there are some issues. I mean, as we've seen, uh, consoles actually still sometimes have trouble driving 1080. You know, it's not a right. it's well, not I a mean, small that's, task. That's so imagine driving. Thing, 4, and that's 000. an encoding
1: thing. I mean, like like you said with encoders. I mean, you encode H two six four three years ago and you get a file that's a gig in size two years ago it would be 800 megs in size and today it's 600 megs you know the compression quality is getting much better and combine that with you know increased uh, speeds and increased uh, processors that are mass produced and you can you know that's just that's just a waiting game
0: but what i'm talking about here is not not just video but now you want to play games on it and And let's face it, I mean, driving a 4K display is not a trivial task for a graphics card.
1: Right. Well, it's like even the, uh, what was it? The Call of Duty game that just came out, I think, that uh, came out on the the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Right. PlayStation 4, 1080p. Xbox One, 720p. Yeah. And and, and uh, the, the problem is, is that, okay, well, these are new systems. We can't code for it. And the graphics processor can barely do 1080p.
0: Yeah, and and you're right. It's it's a chicken-egg game. It's really like a chicken-chicken-egg-egg game, you know? Egg-egg-egg game. There are a whole bunch of factors that are going to come into play, but I I think you can count on this as something that's going to come, and uh, you're going to want one. I don't know this year. I'm not sure next year, but I think you will. Neither. I think you will. It's
1: going to get there, but it's got to be, I would say, you know, that you can still buy 720p tvs when you go into the buy more sure you can't buy 720i ones anymore (laughs) (laughs) and that took about five years after 1080p kind of started replacing 720p as a standard for for lcd tvs right so you know you got it you got to you got to wait for for some of that to catch up, and it's it's the chicken and the egg problem. Just you got to wait a few cycles, right? It's all this bootstrapping that's going on as the everybody all the technology catches up. There are really good ideas right now, but you know if there's nobody to consume the content, then yeah, a you know, little well, well, theoretical. You know, a lot of people were buying 1080p displays long before they had the capability of deploying <laughs> anything 1080p on them like oh yeah well i've got a dvd player in my cable box and cable box does uh hd like well you go and look and it's 720i playing over the old cable boxes <laughs> and it's like well you know it's it's not there yet but it'll get there it's just you need that that base install before anything before it becomes profitable for the content to be pushed at those qualities i mean what? netflix is only getting around to pushing 1080p over the over the internet now
0: yeah, it works pretty well, by the way. My Blu-ray player does. Oh a good really? Job. I haven't
1: had a do yeah. haven't had a chance to try it yet. Yeah.
0: Blu-ray player does a good job. Uh the mini hooked to the TV does not.
1: No, that mini is that's it, an original core two. Yeah, it's, Duo a, little, it's a mini. Little, it's old. It's having a rough time. Yeah.
0: It's having a rough time. So I I think just to go back real quickly, uh smartwatches, are you gonna be jumping on one of these? As a toy, yes. As a uh need device this this Christmas, no. Uh, electronic wallets hell no Uh, No, 4k tv
1: probably recommend staying away from them and letting other people get burned by them first
0: (laughs) yeah no kidding 4k tvs no not this time next time maybe this time no yeah nope so anything you wanted to add this week I I know there's a whole lot of stuff this week but we can can podcast more often now
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um isn't it uh oh aren't all the black friday deals this weekend you, you know it's
0: gonna be uh next
1: or week. have they been <laughs> depending on when this comes out
0: <laughs> no i uh, uh a fake thanksgiving as you would call it is next uh is next thursday
1: oh okay uh, so, so that's it would
0: on be, its uh, way uh we're well, actually, that would be yeah. next week then exactly
1: okay. um and at the time of this recording yes yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
0: There was a new system, you should have this uh you should have this podcast pretty soon after it was recorded. So,
1: yeah, the um what well, what was I going to say? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the electronic re- real retailers how are already starting to come out with those kind of deals. So, I'm not surprised. Say keep an eye out because there are, you know, a lot of daily deals that happen and I know I picked up uh Forza last year for like five bucks or something <laughs> nice. like that. The the uh, Microsoft uh, Xbox online store. Um, I'm glad they resolved their DNS issues from yesterday where all the <laughs> Microsoft DNS went away because of a bad record. Oops. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, <laughs> they have, you can actually buy physical games online for the 360. Nice. So that would be one to check out. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Just look around. Yeah. Oh, and uh, and uh, I like uh, Google's uh, little thing today for the 50th anniversary. Oh, of, that was uh, cool, Doctor Who. If you go to, it's not available in the states. If you go to like <laughs> Google.ca, uh,
0: it is uh, available in the states. It's just not on the standard Google.com site because yeah. all you got to yeah, do is type yeah. in Google.ca and you can see it.
1: Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, and it's it's this entire little mini game of uh, you get to play with a little pixelated doctor who you get to choose which doctor you want and uh, <laughs> nice and and it's it's actually kind of fun
0: <laughs> they always are I, i've been a big fan those are I, I think it's really cool yeah you know i i have to admit i'm not going to do a lot of uh, i'm not going to do any black friday shopping this year oh really yeah
1: nothing you particularly uh nope <laughs> <at the
0: moment. laughs> I, it's bad i know it's bad uh i've got to do a phone up, upgrade pretty soon here but that's not really a black right, friday yeah. thing even if it was on sale i'm not doing it on black friday really audra i think wants a bicycle and uh i i want a power meter so
1: not really black friday deal no, not so, material. no. not so much so mm. much so i don't know and not that we're
0: necessarily going to get either of those things but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably not but still you know well hey, uh, last thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's it. Okay.
1: Well, nope. uh, I I've got no thoughts.
0: <laughs> oh, one more thing that I know we need to get in here. Um when we re- when when we redesigned the the Galactic Water Cooler website. Uh we added a bunch of cool functions. I hope everybody's really enjoying that because uh we put a lot of time into it. Uh, I I know I am. It's a lot cleaner. Yeah, I like it a lot more when I look at it. It's a lot cleaner, and it's a lot easier to find things. And, oh, thank you to the people that mentioned that uh, there is one place where you can't download the podcast, uh, and that's on the podcast, individual podcast pages. We have a fix coming for that, so uh, our bad. We put it in, like, five other places. Whoops. Yep. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) one thing that we added that we will be using for the first time with this episode is a show notes feature.
1: Uh, if you, I'm excited about this actually.
0: Yeah. If you, if you look at the main page, when you see the little cards displayed for each podcast, you'll notice that some of them, really one of them, i.e. this one, uh, will have (laughs) a little document looking icon in the bottom corner. If you click on that, it'll take you to the individual podcast page. If you go directly to the individual podcast page, you can see this as well. And there is a show notes section that actually, uh, will include some of the links and some of the things that we talked about that we wanted to share with you. So instead of having to kind of fast forward and rewind to find them, you can just go there and find them easily yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm i I'm really excited about this because we've been doing this internally. Yeah. Well the whole time. With like no just, way to we have, it. you know, 87 documents <laughs> in, a, in a shared drive that are like, you know, here's all the stuff we want to talk about this week. And you know, it's 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 kind of relevant to be able to get the links. Like, you know, you can say something like onlycoin.com, like what we were talking about. But when it's like an Ars Technica article that's like, you know, dash how greatest mp 3 it's like, okay, no, let's just put some show notes out there. (laughs) People can go and use it as a reference if they want, and uh, I hope that it enhances your podcast listening experience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again very, very soon. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214 296 9229. That's 214 296 9229, and follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. For more GWC content, visit our website and forum at galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget the financial support from Listeners like you makes it possible for us to create all the content GWC offers. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.